Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 24th, 2022. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and shambling towards the mic. Rage. <laughs> on today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we've played. Raven Software's QA Group becomes the first U.S. major video game union. The Buffalo Shooter live-streamed his mass shooting on Twitch. God of War Ragnarok to feature 60-plus accessibility options. Former employees sues GameStop for reportedly violating New York labor laws. And if, time's, uh, if time allows, we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Uh, bit depressed after watching the news. Yeah. Uh, on the the day of our recording in the in the current year, there has been another mass shooting, uh, school shooting in the United States. Um, you know, it's been ten minutes, so I guess we had to have another one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the latest statistics I saw were at like one point two a day now for the year. Yeah, I guess we got to make up for all that you know, COVID time we missed, right? Yep, everybody was indoors for COVIDs, and there were fewer mass shootings for a hot minute. I guess everybody missed them. I didn't. Spoiler alert. I Not me. Not this dude. <laughs> kind of going back to the Franken content, hashtag not all men. Um, but yeah. You can listen uh, to the Franken content, so, because I'm there, so I don't know which one was playing. Yeah. I, I just post it. Right. Fair play. It'll it'll be there one one time. Uh, probably next time, the the next time we need one, this will be part of it, or that will be part of it. Whatever or, or, you or, or, you know what I'm saying. Wibbly wobbly, it, timey wimey. It's cute that you think I know what you're saying. Oh, you you call you said it was cute. I'll take it. Then help. Um, but I I went with the shambling because you're gonna in in the intro because you're gonna notice, dear listener, a theme. Um. I'm just going to go ahead and, and dive into the games that we played this week or this past two weeks. We well, had a once bit and twice shy, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I see what you did there. But we we did Franken last week because uh, Rage was not feeling super great. Um, so yeah, I have turns got... out medicating a cat very tough. <laughs> yeah, I have got two games that I want to talk about. So I'm going to go first, and I'm going to sandwich you. Wink. Ew. Um, and the theme for my games and, uh, this week, the theme for my games this week is zombie survival. So one game I played on Game Pass and the other um, I bought. I'm going to start with the one on Game Pass, but you can also get this on Steam. Uh, Seven Days to Die. Um, I'm actually not sure how long this game has been available. I think it's an, an early access game. Um, but Seven Days to Die is a first person zombie survival crafting game with its sort of i guess you could say gimmick being that every seven days if you leave the game on its default setting every seven days there's a blood moon where that the zombies get really powerful and yeah uh, yeah, the world map respawns and zelda tells link to watch out yes something like that um the you get that a little more correct than you 
you then you might have realized on default settings every seven days is when all of the loot spawns reset so you survive the zombie blood moon and then you can venture back out into the world to find new loot and it's got an uh rpg leveling system where that you as you level up you get stat points that unlock um both new abilities and uh, new sort of knowledge and recipes for you to craft and then increase your stats, your health, your stamina, how long you can go without eating, like all of that jazz. So let's let's dive into the, the nitty gritty a little bit. I wanted to play this with you originally, and when we went to play it together, we just couldn't connect. Like, I don't think even you, you could even find my game on the server listing. Yeah, and you then- weren't showing up on the server list. We tried doing direct uh, invite. That didn't work. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why. I looked into it to try and maybe play another week. And there were people who were who were just like, yep, it just doesn't work sometimes. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Um, I, people think it has to do with either network settings um, or like network settings specifically on your computer or for your home network, uh, like port forwarding not working properly and some people not being able to see each other that that kind of deal or it has to do with um the anti-cheat sometimes just miss you know misfiring and then it causes your game to not show up because it thinks that you've got anti-cheat turned off but that doesn't make any sense it was rare that we went to play trucks anyway yeah so anyways weird stuff you know kind of bullshit whatever's but then, then I started playing it, and I don't think you would have liked it very much anyways. It is what I think of as a classic survival game. Um, you start off in your underwear, punching you know trees and grass and rocks to start building your first little pieces of equipment. And first you get stone tools and weapons. And then as you explore and you know recover things from the map and level up a few times. You can build stuff out of simpler materials like iron and piping that you find. And then as you level up and explore and, you know, gather more materials, you can get actual firearms and crossbows and start crafting armor for yourself. And then it gets, goes off the rails. And as you continue to level up and explore, you can craft like auto turrets and helicopters and weird stuff that kind of doesn't make any sense, but it's a video game. So sure. Why not? Kinds you you mean video game logic, video game logic. Yes. Ding. Um, and I mean, you can see all this stuff in the crafting tree. You can see it all ahead of time and kind of plan out your build to try to get there as fast as you can. Um, but I mean, it's very survival crafting standard. Um, in the beginning of the game, the food and hunger meters are constantly there, like taunting you and giving you negative effects um, if you're not drinking and eating. And then even by the mid game, it's like, all right, I'm drowning in, you know, clean water bottles and buried under a mountain of, uh, you know, harvested meat from animals I've hunted and all the corn I've grown. So that they're balanced badly but i don't know any survival game that really truly balances hunger and thirst well um the effects for it at least make sense you can go a really long time before it actually starts to hurt you and kill you 
you your as your character goes from being you know sort of well fed and having their thirst satiated as you you know march slowly towards starvation and dehydration the effects at first are very minimal um just like a tiny amount of your stamina cut off and then more of your stamina and then your stamina not only is cut off uh, from its maximum amount but it regenerates slower and then when you're actually like starving your health meter is at zero then your health starts to drop slowly so it takes i would guess i haven't actually starved to death i i would i based on sort of with the default settings again one day is an hour a winning game day is one hour and you get uh there's 18 minutes is darkness and then the rest of the time is daylight so i would just assume from what i've experienced it would take you two days to completely starve to death if you don't eat anything at all and dehydration can't actually kill you as far as i can tell it just starts piling on more and more effects for how slowly your stamina regenerates which i suppose could result in you getting killed if you're trying to run from zombies and you're dehydrated um you could run out of stamina and they could chase you down and kill you so it's annoying then extremely annoying and then it becomes deadly probably the most deadly thing other than accidentally falling to your death because i've died more times accidentally falling to my death than anything is uh infection all zombies so the zombie infection i have not encountered unless it's the same thing and um it just gets to a certain point that it it kills you and you know quote unquote turns you into a zombie even though you respawn but the infection is is much like if you get an get an infection it's much worse than food because there's food everywhere there's water everywhere if you play on the like the default map as opposed to one of the uh like generating your own map or or playing with some of the other um pre-generated maps like the basic map that it gives you by default there is a river that runs the entire length of the map from north to south and pretty much cuts the map in half so you're never too far away from a fresh water source um Plus, you can find water in houses and at trading posts and et cetera. So you never really have to worry about running out of water. And food, food is very easy to come by. Um, you can even eat uh, like rotten flesh. And there are recipes to make rotten flesh more edible for you. Um, but even by default, it doesn't kill you. It gives you dysentery. So you can shit your guts out, I guess. That could kill you. But dysentery is really easy to cure in the game as well. Because if you drink any kind of tea or any kind of sort of uh, vegetable juice, which you can make really easily, then you can cure dysentery. Because video game logic, that's that's how that works, right? Drink some juice, cure your dysentery. Um, no, you die on dysentery. <laughs> I, I, play, I played that game. Right. Um, but whenever uh, you get infected... And then you put tep- a pepperoni on your tombstone. Yes. But whenever you get infected, there is fucking no medicine anywhere. I have only ever found one antibiotic item in the game. And I went, the first time I got sick, I waited until daylight and then went and raided the hospital and found no medicine. So I don't know if that's a random generation, like I just got fucked on my random generation for the first map, or or what. But infections are deadly, because they... First, they reduce your stamina. 
then they reduce your health, then they reduce your carry weight, then like, like the more infected you get, the more your stats drop, and eventually you get a stat penalty to all of your stats, which are like strength, agility, intelligence, like, you know, that kind of stat. Eventually, you take a penalty to all of them, and your skills can drop to zero as opposed to one. So if you have a skill, like too many skills drop to zero, it just kills you, because then it, you have like negative health, and so that can kill you. Um, I'm not sure what happens when the disease hits 100%, because it hit 90% infected. One of my skills dropped to zero, and I died, and then I respawned. And when you respawn, you know, all of your status effects are gone, and you start at full health, or full health, full, full hunger, and full thirst. So those mechanics are... Yeah, in your, uh, in your former uh, body is off shambling into the distance. Yeah, but it drops all of your stuff, so you can go pick up your your rucksack with all of your stuff in it, and it does it does do a nice thing of whenever you pick up your loot, it puts everything back the way it was, the way you had your inventory sorted and your hot bars, so you can like sprint over to your body, pick up everything, have your gear ready, and resume fighting zombies if you would like. Um, its building system is pretty stupid. Most of it is pointless. Like you can craft so many cosmetic items, which I guess is nice if you're if you're that type of person. But I'm not. I like items in my games to be functional for the most part. And so the most useful things are like walls and stairs and traps, and then the crafting things you need. So like a crafting bench or workbench and a forge and a chemistry table so that you can make medicine and stuff. Um, all the chairs and you know, tables and everything you can make are just pointless. You can't sit on them. You can't use them for anything other than just decoration. So if you like decoration, that's great, but they don't serve any functional purpose. And you can build things pretty easily and then upgrade them with stronger materials pretty easily. But only sort of your outer layer of defenses needs to be upgraded. And then zombies are never getting through that shit anyways. Like you can very quickly build a, a concrete like a a steel rebar concrete reinforced wall with only a couple of skill points in the crafting tree. And then zombies are never getting through that. And you can build, like what I did was I built a, a, a pier with a house over the river and put a bunch of stilts on it. But zombies don't attack the stilts. They're trying to get to you. And so the stilts aren't in their direct path to get to you. So the easiest way to destroy the house would be to destroy the stilts and it would collapse. It does have like a sort of some mild physics for its buildings. Um, I have accidentally collapsed structures several times until I realized sort of the on-screen prompt for like, Hey, you're about to destroy your building. If you do this, <laughs> um, I accidentally plummeted to my own death once doing that. That was fun. Yeah. I was just looking on the wiki. It looks like the best way to actually get medicine is crafting it and farming uh, the materials. Yeah. The only the only time I found medicine in my... Because I started another game to kind of take lessons learned. Um, you Whenever you hit level 2, it gives you 5 XP points instead of 1. And then after that, you only get 1 XP... Or not XP, sorry. Skill points. Um, you only get 1 skill point per level after that, except for quote-unquote milestone levels, like 10... Um, where you get two skill points and you can get into the crafting tree at level two. But the first time I played, I didn't do that because I didn't realize that you had to actually take these abilities to be able to craft stuff. I just thought that 
it had a progression more like Minecraft where you get the materials and you build the next thing and then you use that to get the better materials and so on. Um, and so I started a new game and went down into the crafting tree really quickly. And I've got an impenetrable fortress. I don't like fast zombies. I don't like special zombies. Not for this type of game. They get, they're fine for other games. But when it comes to like zombie survival crafting, I want Romero-style, slow, dumb zombies. That the environment and the other people are as much, if not more, of a problem than the zombies. You know, if a zombie sneaks up on me, or if I do something stupid and I get killed by a zombie, like, fair enough. But the most dangerous things to me, uh, one, is myself, because I fall, I have fallen and died so many times. And two, uh, the wildlife. Like, wild bears and wolves and wild, like, mon- um, or wild dogs are much more dangerous than zombies. They're a lot faster. I mean, fast zombies would be extremely dangerous, but slow zombies, you can plan around it, you can herd them around, you can herd them into traps. That feels really good. Um, occasionally being surprised feels really good. So, Yeah, I'm just yeah, clicking around the wiki, and there's a lot that I just don't like on this. Yeah, but the more I played it, the more I was like, Rage wouldn't like this. I don't think Rage would like this. And it's fine. Um, <clears throat> you know, I played it on Game Pass, so it's, air quotes, free. Obviously, I pay my monthly subscription for Game Pass, but this is the kind of game that I think is is a, is a kind of game that's great on Game Pass, because you can play it for however long you'd like. Try it and don't like it, 15, 20 hours maybe. I might play it a little bit longer, and I didn't hate it, but I'm also kind of done with it. I don't think it has anything else to offer me. The multiplayer mode, especially if you played it with friends, would probably be good. You know, working together, building, you know, your own little fortress, surviving the zombie hordes. But, you know, that could be said for most games. Co-op makes it better. And I don't think co-op would make it better enough unless you had, like, the right group of friends and you yourself really liked this game. You know, to make it worth buying or to make it worth spending at least not very much money on. I mean, on Steam, it's 25 bucks, um, 40 bucks if you get a two pack. So, you know, buy buy it for you and a friend and you save, uh, what, 10 bucks overall. But I mean, even at like, you know, buying a two pack, getting it for 20 bucks a pop. I feel like that's too much for this game. It's got a lot of content. So if you really liked it, you could play it for a long time. It's got three or four pre like baked in maps that are handcrafted. And then you can give it a ton of parameters to generate a map for you. And you can preview the map. You know, you don't have to play on it if you don't want to. It it lets you preview it and see a lot of the basics and the layout and, and things. So, you know, there's a lot of content there. If you really like it, I just don't think it rises much, if at all above average. And there are better survival crafting games out there. And as I'm going to talk about in a little bit, there are better zombie survival crafting games out there. But I think unless you have any questions or comments, that's really all all I have to say about Seven Days to Die. Painfully average. Could be fun. Yeah, not really. I mean, just looking at, like I said, the wiki, there's a lot of things that are just feels like they're counterintuitive or just annoying. Yeah, Like there's a perk in the brawler tree that you just punch a zombie in the head and they can't affect you anymore. I didn't see that perk. 
Although I wouldn't take it anyways. I don't want to hand-to-hand fight zombies. My favorite weapon yeah. to use is, if I'm in melee range, is the spear. Because you can stab a zombie with a spear, and they you're out of their reach. Yeah, let's just put it this way. It's the very first perk in the brawler tier. Or the brawler tree. Yeah. Tired of being uh, bullied by the undead? Zombies can't bite if you knock their damn teeth out. Is it like, what, a power attack in the face and then they can't bite you? It looks like it's a specialized weapon that you uh, equip. Oh, okay. Maybe like brass knuckles or something? Uh, Actually, iron knuckles. Oh, okay. And it says punches to the head negate infection ability. So, uh, I mean, that, that just seems boring, you know? Yeah. There's interesting ideas here, but then they... Just, I like the idea that you, know, you don't have to babysit your character that much on the uh, uh, need bars. But then they do stuff like that, right? Yep. Oh, worst thing about the game. Honestly, you can't sleep. Which means that whenever you go back to your base at night, because your you know your detection radius is worse, the zombies can still spot you, but they're much harder to spot, you know, that whole thing. And then if you're playing with, you know, blood moons and whatever on, zombies just get stronger at night anyways. Uh-huh. So whenever you go back to your base, it's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to sit here all night for 20 minutes. And you can craft and you can do whatever during that time, but it's just sitting. It's very boring. Nighttime sucks. Yeah. So uh, speaking of zombies, well, I haven't played the zombie DLC, but there is one. Uh, 112 Operator. This is the sequel to 911 Operator. And actually, you can go and play as a 911 Operator, depending on where you go. It uh, The game does some... Uh, geographic things where if it, if you're in a place where it's nine one one instead of one one two, they have the audio clipped out where it'll go nine one one, which is neat. Even though you know, uh, playing at, well as close as I can to where I am, everybody's still distinctly British, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but th- this is one of those games that kind of removes the need of the previous game. Outside of uh, some aspects, like I said, it has more of a European feel to it. So, you know, if you want, you know, uh, uh, more of like American voice acting than, you know, not one operator. But for the most part, 112 replaces the previous game as you are 911-112 operator. You're an emergency dispatcher handling the emergency responses for a set period of time in city of choice. Uh, there's a career mode that's set mostly in European cities. Uh, well, depending on your definition of European, because you know, Moscow is kind of splitting hairs there, but right. it's yeah, uh, European-esque cities. Uh, and the idea is that you're essentially trying to just Continue on with your career. Uh, however, they do have a few different systems in this game that they didn't have a 911 operator that makes it so that there's a more overarching story and uh, theme going on. One is that there's a email system. So uh, in between duties, 
uh, you get uh, email uh, with your goals, things that you have to uh, uh, handle on the next couple of days, or alert you for an upcoming event, like, uh, you know, uh, weather's going to be really bad, so, you know, like, all your motorcycles aren't going to be able to run, uh, your uh, aircraft might not be able to fly, that sort of thing. Uh, but then there's overarching stories where uh, the, f- the first one that you encounter is actually called the Crossbow Killer, where it's this uh, a woman running around with a crossbow murdering people. And I'm not sure if, uh, depending on how you handle it, it uh, might uh, change out the outcome. But I've uh, successfully caught her a couple times, but it takes you know, uh, like a week worth of uh, duties to be able to catch her. Yeah. And then uh, uh, all the... Uh, okay, there's essentially two tiers of dispatch. There's ones that are just, you know, a blip on the map that, you know, and you send one of three flavors of uh, of uh, response uh, or a combination there of uh, police, uh, medical... Or fire department. And different responses might require different uh, units. And different units might be better equipped for some things. Like a high-rise fire uh, that requires uh, a ladder truck. uh, Or or I should say uh, has a more advanced uh, fire. Uh, A ladder truck with a a better response to that type of uh, uh, event would uh, cause it to resolve quicker. Um, a uh, police unit that carries more, uh, yeah, officers uh, might respond quicker to some event, uh, some events, but not others. And you could actually see if you go to the event whenever there's an officer on duty, or if you have traffic cameras, which is one of the DLCs, uh, traffic cameras or squadrons or a couple other options. You can actually see what's going on there, so you could send a more informed. Uh, uh, you know, unit. You know, you see a lot of uh, uh, bad guys. You want to send, uh, you know, a couple of uh, police units and maybe have them try to arrive at the same time, right? Yeah. But one of the other big things on this is the district system. And it could actually be interesting. So, in the previous game, it was always a set map size. You know, you get your uh, boundaries, that's it. Well, in the uh, sequel, you're given uh, districts of a city to work with. And depending on what you're doing, either free play or career mode, depends on how they expand. So in uh, free play mode, you're given so many points to essentially pick and choose where you want to go. And it allows you to kind of custom tailor uh, exactly what you're covering. So if you're doing a city that you know or a place that you know, it allows you to kind of fine-tune the map a little bit more. But it also has a lot wider boundaries than than the previous game. And things can get a little crazy because of it, just because you have so much space. And the career mode, after so many duties, you are given more area to, uh, to cover. And more and more and more and uh, after a certain amount of time. And it can get very overwhelming that, you know, you get enough units to cover this area finally. Okay, well, let's pull back the map a little bit more, right? Uh, they do have an option for AI uh, dispatchers to cover certain areas. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they are rated for so many actions per minute. Like the uh, starter ones that you get are like two or three actions per minute, which is you know fine for a uh, a couple of uh, incidents in their area. And you could assign them to multiple areas. So you know, like you know, we could have Sarah <laughs> take care of downtown, right? Right. Uh, sure. I'm not sure why we'd, we'd want to, but yeah, you also... there's there's no black people there. <laughs> but you could also. Uh, have her take care of the next district over, or take care of several districts. But if you give too much area to a single dispatcher, well, those actions per minute, yeah, start to become a bottleneck. But you can also designate which units can be used by uh, AI dispatchers versus the ones that you hold for yourself. Which can be a little frustrating if you don't tick off the right ones. So... Uh, like I mentioned, there's aircraft, and aircraft are obviously going to be very expensive. Uh, but they also have a very short response time, so the AI dispatchers, if you don't click them off, will pretty much exclusively want to use the aircraft, because of course they do, right? Yes, of course. Uh, and I had to restart a couple times because an AI dispatcher tied up like my uh, medevac <laughs> unit. Uh, on a call that's going to obviously take a very long time to resolve, uh, as opposed to sending you know one of like three or four ambulances that were nearby, because you know, they would take longer to get there compared to the uh, helicopter, right? Yeah, and also uh, they included watercraft in this as one of the DLC. Uh, it, I, I think the watercraft were uh, partly there in the base game. Uh, I got this through the Humble Bundle for Ukraine and uh, saw that the DLC was on sale, so I went ahead and just bought the DLCs. Uh, uh, but they expanded on them greatly in the uh, uh, one of the DLCs. Uh, but the thing is that, depending on the map you're on, it could be a little bit of a crapshoot. Uh, like my career boat, I'm in London, which has you know, the R- River Thames, of course, but... Then there's a couple lakes that they've added in one of my last plates or my last duties uh, through the districts, and it's completely isolated from the river. So unless you have uh, amphibious vehicles, which there are, but they're more expensive because of course they are, it makes it so that you either have to have a dedicated set of units there and a dedicated set of units on the river, or have air units, which are also expensive. And there's sometimes it's a little hard to tell which areas are going to have calls and which are not because, you know, they don't exactly you know, tell you, okay, well, you want to uh, uh, get this uh, little lake here uh, outfitted, but you can ignore this uh, larger area over here because we're not going to put anything over there, which could be a bit frustrating. And also, because I'm playing on a uh, map that has limited water, uh, it feels like they don't spawn as much as a diverse of calls as they could for it, because, you know, there's only so much space. So, you know, I've gotten some repeats on the little blip calls, which brings me to the other type of call. So these are the ones that, uh, yeah, uh, I, was it Ghost Shark that was talking about the about 911 operator way, way, way back? A long I, time I, ago. I think so, yeah. Uh. They have a lot more diversity this time around, which thankfully, you know, 
and it's kind of a choose your own adventure. Sometimes it's there's a no one scenario. Sometimes there's an obvious one to do. Sometimes, you know, what uh, I, you try to tell them, they just ignore. Because, yeah, real life, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's all done very well. And there is uh, workshop support with uh, added stuff as well that I've uh, downloaded. Uh, like I said, there is an obvious focus on a more European uh, mindset this time around. So, you know, it does feel a little bit odd playing as at a, you know, uh, uh, in an American city. But playing the career mode in uh, London, you know, it fits perfectly well. Uh, there's a diverse amount of units, uh, actually more so than a uh, 911 operator. And they've kind of, uh, they didn't simplify it, but they've uh, changed the way that the equipment's uh, used, which uh, makes it a little bit more easy to uh, deal with. But if you want to dive into you know, min-maxing uh, units, you can, but you don't have to as much as the previous game. And they also added a major fire component. So uh, if you ignore a, a fire call for too long or a big fire uh, for too long, it could get out of control and expand from just a little point on the map to an area on the map that you yeah. have to try to deal with, uh, which makes it rather interesting. And that could also expand to, into wildfires that you have to deal with and there's a, a lot going on with this game. Uh, I haven't really played outside of the DLCs that just are omnipresent. Um, the uh, two major like story DLCs, because there's a pandemic outbreak, because of course there is, right? Of course. Uh, and there's The Last Duty, which is Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on theme as well. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Kind of. Uh, it does sound like it is uh, a short uh, a DLC, but eh, right? Yeah. I did, I did, you know, I picked it up for pretty cheap, and it's a cheap DLC to begin with. I think they were all like 60 or 70% off, and the last duty is only 7 bucks to begin with. That's a good, uh, good price point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I imagine that you know it's probably a more round number in another uh, in another currency, right? Yeah, probably. I, I, I will say that this is a game that's a lot better than nine one one operator. It does have its flaws, of course. It uh, can have some weird things going on with calls. Uh, one thing I wish they would have done was if you have one of the scripted calls uh, and a unit shows up, you know there was some there would be some sort of acknowledgement of that. Because there was uh, a, uh, oh, uh, pardon me, it's the chair squeaks. Uh, there was a, uh, a gas leak, uh, uh, 911 call, or, or 112 or whatever. Uh, uh, that, you know, it was obvious, you know, uh, tell the guy to get out. Uh, but, you know, he ignores you saying that he has to, you know, open up uh, 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 all the windows and, uh, you know, get the people out of the uh, uh, building because it's an apartment complex. You know, it's a scripted event. You're, there's a no win scenario there, and he's yelling about, "Yo, I can't wait for the firemen uh, to get there." Meanwhile, the firemen are literally downstairs banging on the door. Right? Let us uh, in. Just, Let uh, us just, in. Just a little, you know, uh, nitpicks like that, and the game can overwhelm you at times with information, and sometimes 
not in uh, with useful information. Uh, a good example of this is whenever a call changes, whenever uh, units are on scene. So, for example, uh, a, uh, a, a, a call for an ambulance might turn into uh, a suspected domestic abuse. So they'll call for the uh, police to come on scene, which is fine. And, you know, know, uh, really realistic. And uh, the uh, ambulance will make a call out for, we uh, need police to, uh, we need a police presence here. That's a good one. The bad ones are whenever you have units on the way or uh, pulling into scene and they all call out at once. Like uh, a uh, house fire that, has police uh, there as traffic control, you know? Uh, they'll uh, be yelling about uh, uh, needing a fire unit while there's one in route or, you know, pulling in. And they all go off at about the same time uh, whenever they do their call-outs. So if you have a lot of things going on at once, you could have all of a sudden, you know, half a dozen uh, calls making... Uh, uh, requests for particular units, and you're tra- and you have to actually just pause the game to try to figure out who called for what in right in what order. Yeah, and if you know that's actually already been fulfilled, and they're just not there yet. Or the other, or the flip side of that is uh, having a unit that just can't complete a call, and they'll make a call out for you know like a, a you know police transport or you know medical transport. Yeah, and, and it gets lost in the jumble because you know uh, someone's calling out for a fire uh, uh, response when there's a uh, yeah a fire truck with lights on heading uh, at them of just a block down, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's just a timing issue, really, as well, because they all make the all out at the same time. So I think there's like a set tick rate inside the game itself. So whenever it uh, hits that particular point of uh, checks, it does a check on all the different calls and see, okay, is the player missing any units on a particular call? If so, send out yeah, uh, that dispatch request. But because it's all at the same time, it just gets... Ugh. I uh, I have a friend who works uh, for Dispatch, and I think this is one of those things where that just listening to you talk about it, and I've heard my friend mm-hmm. talk about her job. I think this is one of those things with it, like what you're talking about, like because it's a video game, it's yeah. looking for certain things because she th- that happens to her too. She'll be, you know, she'll have officers dispatched somewhere and they'll need fire or emergency services or, you know, EMTs or, you know, whatever. Like, do you need an ambulance? Just need an EMT? Can the fire guys suffice? And so they might get multiple calls, but then she'll be like, you know, just immediately like, oh no, you know, unit whatever, already made that request, they're in route. It's like, oh, okay. And, like, that's it. Like, instead of it yeah, but, being... Yeah, like, but like, they'll do it over and over again. Especially if you're uh, understaffed. Yeah. And while you can call in for reinforcements, it's uh, expensive, and you could still have the unit tied up, because uh, some units, or some uh, uh, calls have a very long conclusion time. It just depends on you know, what's going on. And also depending on what's going on it may actually slow down traffic around it as well, like a chemical spill. 
Well, uh, uh, slow down traffic around it because it, the roads are blocked off. Or uh, Another annoying one is whenever there's snow. So you'll have uh, just units uh, get stuck randomly. And, yeah. uh, tr- and uh, units that are really good at technical skills, like police departments, or the police, uh, or sorry, the fire department, uh, the fire units are pretty much unstick immediately. Police a little bit longer, but then the medical units are just stuck there and calling out constantly. And it's just one of those things that, well, you just basically have to have a, you know, a fast fire truck, uh, uh, one of the, you know, essentially scout trucks, uh, babysit uh, uh, this one corridor. And there's no, you know, like snow plows or anything. So it's just, you know, tr- uh, things just randomly get stuck, which is frustrating. But possibly a little re- realistic as well, right? Yeah. Uh, but overall, I, I do think it's worth it. Uh, I'm not sure about the $25 buy-in on the uh, on the base game. Uh, but it does go on deep discount fairly often. And I did pick up as part of a bundle. Uh, DLC-wise, the, the two-story ones I haven't played yet, water operations might introduce more harm than good, depending on where you are. But also, you know, throws in a lot of uh, interesting things. Uh, facilities, it, there's one interesting thing in it. So uh, there's uh, speed cameras and stuff that you could place around the city. That um, Speed cameras make it so that it uh, can pick up uh, reckless drivers and uh, can uh, automatically take care of that, in theory. Uh Closed circuit television, you can play a place in a hot spot once you've discovered where they are in the city. And you could use it to uh, make a better response uh, to you know, whatever's going on. Um, there's essentially a placeable department for each of the three flavors of response unit. So you could have like a, uh, a clinic that you could place down on the map, a... Uh, Water intake point, which allows fire trucks to go refill their water, uh, which the different fire trucks have a different amount of water. And on a bad fire, they'll actually have to go back and refill their water. So that's a you know a really good one. And uh, police could uh, take a uh, criminal to a custody uh, uh, facility uh, to quickly drop off criminals to uh, or, or suspects because yeah they're not proven guilty yet. But the interesting one is the spy drone, which is a movable facility that can be used for, you know, surveillance, uh, obviously. But also, whenever there's a call for uh, searching an area, you'd use it to search the area yourself uh, and not tie up uh, as many units. Oh, nice. A little bit of active gameplay as well. Yeah. And you can actually set it to patrol area as well, which is nice. Uh, and then there's a charity mask uh, DLC, which just puts everybody in masks. But, you know, that feels a little bit more realistic these days. Right. I'm actually not sure what the historic low on this is. Uh, thinking about it, not counting the humble Ukraine bundle. Oh, shit. Just a what? massive amount of rain. Just the, the heavens opened. I can hear it, like, slamming my roof because I have a tin roof. Beautiful noise when you're trying to sleep, but... Well, I can't hear it. Yeah, I think uh, Discord is not... Like, my microphone is, is not picking it up until I talk. 
Discord's probably filtering it out, but I can see my waveform change. Like it's loud enough that my uh, my waveform has changed. Yeah, it looks like the historic low is five bucks. So yeah, well worth it at the five buck range. Yeah. I just wanted to go double check the uh the historic low. So yeah. Well, well worth uh five bucks. Uh not sure about the twenty five. I would say this would be a really good ten to fifteen range. Uh but that's yeah, me being a cheap skate. Right. But yeah. Uh okay. any other questions about one 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 two operator? I don't think so. I mean I have it because I bought the same bundle that you did. I don't have the DLC. Yeah. But yeah. glad yeah, that the, you you like it. That makes it yeah, more yeah, likely the, for me to play it. Yeah, the districts. I'm not sure just how they break things up because uh, playing a local uh, town, uh, it just feels like it's kind of arbitrary. Uh, yeah. Just where the where the borders are. I'm sure that there's some sort of algorithm, or yeah, you know, like some sort of. Uh, well, the map uh, for Moscow, they show the districts there, and it looks like it's broken up on different streets. But there's a lot of districts that you could uh, cover. I mean, it gets a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and when that map pulls back, uh, the fir- the first duty for uh, that next one is going to be nuts, trying to reorganize things. And really, I, I think that's where uh, the game uh, is at its best and at its worst. You know, kind of that chaotic, uh, you know, trying to cover things. But if you have bad coverage or, you know, it's added a water area that you can't really tell because it has like this blue tone uh, map and it can be a little tough to tell, you know, what's water and what's not. I mean, they do have layers on the map, which is nice and something else that they've added, but it doesn't really tell you if those are in play or not. But yeah, well worth it, though, I I think. At least at the price I picked it up. Yeah. So, my other game that I'm going to talk about this week, zombie survival game, Project Zomboid. Uh, Project Zomboid has been on Steam since 2013. Um, it's listed as an early access game, so this might be the longest, like, or this this is probably going to be my pick of the year for, you know, it's it's still in early access. When I think we get it was the, mine, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got this recently. Apparently, I had owned it for a while as, like, a bundle purchase or something, and every once in a while, I'll go through and be like, did I get any games that I missed? And it was just sitting there, and there's a YouTuber um, I just started following called see like a weird asinine name like amphibious iguana or something um he does gaming youtube videos and he's just got a very good narrator voice and he plays a lot of sort of open-ended games and crafts kind of stories to tell with them like weird stuff like he's done a lot of sims content recently where it's like the sims 2 i'm gonna live in a hole in the ground and he tells like this really sad esoteric story about a guy living in a hole like it's very um got a got a really strong sense of like uh what is it ennui um that sort of like empty depressive feeling like i don't know but he he does a lot of project zomboid stuff and so it's got me like thinking about it and boy is this game an excellent survival game it tries to make the zombie apocalypse as realistic as possible and it manages to do it 
the right way. Um, I was having a conversation with uh, someone earlier, um, one of my uh, people who lives here with us. I was uh, talking to him about games I'd been playing recently, and I was like, man, I've never played a game that uses realistic carry weights in a way that isn't frustrating, because Project Zomboid uses realistic carry weights. Um, And, you know, you put a backpack on, depending on how strong your character is, you can carry... 15, 20 pounds worth of stuff before you start getting uh, tired more quickly and dealing with encumbrance and things because you're just carrying around too much weight. And your backpack is only so big, you can't stuff, you know, every single 2 by 4 you find in your backpack. It's too big. You gotta carry those in your hands. And, um, or, or find some other means to transport them. So... Let me let me back up. This is like I said, a zombie survival game set in the early nineties, I think nineteen ninety three, in a fictionalized but based on real towns in Kentucky. Um, I think it's based on Louisville, Kentucky, and sort of its surrounding areas. But uh, it's Knox something or other, Kentucky. That actually might be a real place, but from my understanding, it's a fictionalized version of Louisville, Kentucky. Um. And you are the last or one of like of rare few survivors of the zombie apocalypse because you're let's, immune. Let's be honest. That's not realistic for either of us. No, but you're, you know, you are maybe you're immune to it or you're, you know, you just were lucky and weren't found by the zombies. There's some in-game lore, but the lore is very much secondary to the game mechanics. Um, And I haven't found very much of the lore yet. From what I can tell, from what I have found, it was like an airborne pathogen that has infected a lot of people in the area, and you seem to be one of a, of people who have natural immunity to it, basically. So you weren't turned into zombies in sort of the first wave. Um, and the game, uh, let's see, because it's the 1990s, you don't have cell phones, you don't have GPS... You can choose to start the game with or without a paper map. Like, that's one of the difficulty options. Do you start with a paper map? And you can turn on uh, a mini map to help you out. And it's got a lot of very granular details. There could have been at one point where this wasn't the case. I don't know. The game has been available for almost 10 years. Um, But you can tweak almost everything about the world. And they're very, very mod friendly. So you can get lots of additional maps and lots of additional settings for customization. But even in, in the base start, um, you can choose all kinds of stuff about how rare or how common items are like food or weapons. You can choose the starting time of year, which really matters because your your the temperature both outside and your body temperature matters for the zombies and for your own survival. You can choose how rare or common tools are, weapons. Um, I've played probably eight runs so far, and I've only found a gun once, and I didn't even use it. Um, guns are, are a liability, like a last resort, but I'll get to that. Um, you can choose how fast the zombies are, the starting multiplier for how many zombies there are. Like there's, You can see like the, the population of the area. And it's one giant map, and you can choose which of the four sections to start on for this map. So there's one that's like a very rural area, like with farms. There's one that's a suburb. There's one that's like a city center. And then there's one that's near like a prison. Um, 
and each has its own pros and cons. And by default, uh, zombies are sort of more congregated in urban areas because the population is higher. Um, but you can you can change the starting multiplier for either how many people start off as zombies from the population and how much that can grow and how quickly it can grow. You can set zombie respawn timers, which I turn those off. I actually like the idea of being able to survive and wipe out all the zombies. Seems impossible. The population for this town is realistic in terms of like, you know, 50 to 100,000 people living there. It seems impossible that I could kill 100,000 zombies and not die. But who knows? Maybe someday. Um, But it just on and on and on with very specific details about things. It lets you like it's got one of those AI directors that can uh, spawn random events. You can choose the spawn rate for those and, you know, disable all of them if you want. It's got what's called a sadistic AI mode, which I haven't tried yet because it's that seems very scary. Um, so those are those are all of the ways that you can customize the world and more. Um, then there's the ways that you can customize your character. It You can choose from a number of starting sort of careers, like what your person was, um, that have default perks there's you know there's perks and there's flaws that you can take and you have i think it's 10 skill points by default that you can spend in perks and then if you go you know negative on your spending for perks you have to take faults to balance it out and there's things like you know uh one of them's called cat's eye which gives you better night vision there's one that's like fast learner you can read books faster and you level up faster and ones that make you better at certain basic tasks like you can be an amateur chef so you start out with a higher skill in cooking or things like that and then the negatives are like you can be addicted to something like a smoker or you can be um what is it where that you're a free bleeder anemic you can be anemic which means you bleed a lot more and it's harder for your wounds to heal um you can be have like higher anxiety so you panic faster if zombies come out things like that and it gives you some presets like doctor nurse carpenter um cop fireman soldier farmer there's a bunch there's 15 or 20 default starters and if you pick some of the careers you can get access to a few skills that you can't pick from the list like you can pick a lumberjack and the lumberjack gets a special affinity with axes so by default, your axes can last longer and you can chop down trees faster because you're a lumberjack. Um, if you're the soldier... You're okay. Yeah. Uh, see what you did there. If you're the soldier, um, or the veteran, rather, you get a, a special perk called Desensitize, which means your character doesn't panic at all. Because it's like, fuck this shit, like, been to war, or whatever. Because this would be post-Iraq War, the first or I guess Gulf War, post-Gulf War, in the timeline, you know, historical timeline. Um, So, you know, you can get those special perks. Then you can also just pick, like, unemployed, which gives you the full skill points that you can use on whatever you want. (laughs) Then you can do some basic character customization. The idea, like, the game starts out saying, like, you know, this is the end times. Um, There is no hope. There is no cure. This is how you died. And then the game starts. And so you can do some character customization. You can pick hair and skin tone and gender and some basic starter clothes options. But this is this an in-depth character creator is not. Um, and then it drops you in a random house in the sort of map location that you picked. 
and you start your survival. Um, or lack and, thereof. Or lack thereof. Um, and then, you know, depending on your various starting options, you get a certain amount of sort of free time. It's not a lot. It's like half an in-game day at most before there are any zombies to bother you. And then all hell can break loose, or you can have a quiet couple of in-game days, like slowly building up your supplies. Really, it's really based primarily on what you set as your starting zombie multiplier and the location that you pick. For me, I've had the most success with not dying immediately by starting in the rural areas and setting the zombie multiplier to its default low status. Um, and then that usually gives me two or three days, usually, before I run into a situation where I, I'm probably fucked. Um, but once you start playing, you have to manage food, water, sleep, happiness, um, and, you know, happiness, depression, anxiety. Um, if you picked any of the traits that give you, like, a chronic illness or an addiction, you have to manage those. Um, you have to manage your body weight, which is sort of a secondary characteristic of, you know, your hunger levels. Um, being fat is great because that means that you can survive without food for longer without starving. That is one thing where we would do well. We could go a while without needing to eat. Yeah, we'd be fat zombies. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, there's a skateboard uh, mod. Oh, neat. But, um... And then you just, essentially, you're checking out your starter house and hoping to God that you got a good randomized starting house. Um, houses with second floors are preferable to one-story homes. If you get a starter car, that's great. Um, and find anything you can as a weapon, even a spoon. You do not want to fight zombies hand-to-hand, especially if you're using uh, saliva and blood transmission. For the zombie virus, that means one scratch or one bite from a zombie and you're dead because you've contracted the zombie virus. So you do not want to be touching them. And then you're kind of turned loose. Um, It's very much a you set your own goal. I've mostly just been trying to learn. So I've been picking a lot of the crafting focused character types to start every time I die. The crafting system is very in-depth and it functions in a way that you would think it would like if you need bandages and you have extra clothes while well, they're not as good as you know actual bandages that you could you know with medicated ointment on them you can rip clothes up and use those for makeshift bandages do you need crutches or a splint well smash a chair and use the legs to make a crutch or splint you know it's not as good as one that you could get from the hospital but it'll do um it lets you use a lot of pretty much anything you want as a weapon. So, you know, coffee mugs are just as viable a weapon as a frying pan, as a machete. You know, the machete will probably last longer and do more damage, but coffee cup is better than your bare hands. Um, Zombies, if they notice you, kind of have that dogged pursuit, so you either have to kill them or trick them into uh, ignoring you. So doing things like creating... uh, like alarms and traps to draw them in with like stopwatches or alarm clocks that you're, that are battery powered that you can set out in the middle of the street are great distractions. If you need to run away or herd zombies, there's full cooking mechanics. Um, everything from, uh, you know, sticking a frozen meal in the oven to 
getting out a cutting board and a kitchen knife and chopping your vegetables and making a stew. Okay, I'll be back at base. <laughs> there's fishing mechanics, there's hunting mechanics, there's gathering mechanics. It all seem really well thought out and pretty fully developed. Um, and you can do them in ways that make sense. Like, if you want to go fishing, it's better if you've got a fishing pole, but you also can just take, like, a stick and some string and a hook and try your luck. And if you don't have that, you can go spear fishing or bow fishing. Um, it just does so much of it so well. Like, every time I've been like, how can I do this? Does it work this way? Most of the time, it's yes. Um, there's a, a pretty full crafting tree for all of the major skills. Because um, you've got, you know, sort of survival skills, cooking skills, um, uh, carpentry, um, mechanics, engineering. So you can, um, you know, take apart cars and rebuild cars and... You know, if you don't have the skills to do it, then you can't take a blowtorch to a car and, you know, make a weird Franken car. You've just got to, you know, make do with what you can find until you can read books or catch the TV shows before the power goes out, which does happen. The power gets goes off and the water shuts off kind of randomly within the first 30 days. I've not made it farther than five days. Um, and like I said, it you know, a few minutes ago, I've only found a gun once. But I, guns are feel like much more of a liability than a godsend because zombies sort of function the way they do in, you know, like most zombie fiction. Like as soon as you start shooting, like once you go loud, you can draw a horde from miles away if your weapon is loud enough. So you better be careful. Like it better be a goddamn emergency if you're going to just open up. So I try to sneak around use uh baseball bats or spears or other sort of makeshift long weapons that way you're out of zombie reach the clothes you wear really matter you have to manage your your heat so in the summer months if you're wearing lots of clothes to maybe try and protect yourself from scratches and bites you're likely to overheat which can cause exhaustion and other issues in the winter if you spawn in the winter and you don't get enough clothes fast enough you can freeze to death but zombies also freezing slows them down and can buy you time. Like it's very, very well thought out. All of the systems that I have tried so far seem to work very well. Um, and every time, almost every time I play, I make it a little farther than the last time. Um, there are still times where that I get careless. Like every time I die, I feel like it's my fault, not the game fucking me over, but like instead of, carefully exploring a house i'll be like ah, oh, well i looked through all the windows before i went in you know it's probably fine and then i'll click to do an action which instead of sneaking over and getting close enough to interact with something you can right click on objects and select the action that you want to do so i'll just click to do an action and my character will walk over and there will be you know it'll play like the the stinger sound and there'll be zombies and they'll pounce on you it's like fuck if i had just like walked over here carefully I could have ran away or probably clubbed this zombie to death. But instead, because I got careless, I got killed. I've never felt like I've been screwed over because the game screwed me. It's always been my fault because I've done something stupid. And I think that's the mark of a well-crafted game like this. I think that, they, that it is excellent. Um, 
Yeah, this reminds me a lot of Neo's Survivor, uh, playing that way back. Yeah. So kind of uh, same idea, you know, the uh, very tough uh, to get going, but once you do, it's uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's you screwing up, not the game screwing you over, or yeah. I should say, or you know, not finding the loot that you need because that is a thing. But right, yeah, tough but fair. So far, I haven't gotten to engage in a lot of the game mechanics, like farming. Um, things seem to take place within "quote unquote" real world time frames. Like, I got an injury, kind of a minor to moderate injury. Um, had to smash a window to jump out so that I didn't get uh, eaten by zombies. And I was on the first floor, so it's like I fell to my death. But I got like a deep laceration on my arm. And I, you know, I bandages up. I took care of it. I didn't get infected, but it took three in-game days for it to heal, and that feels pretty real. Like that feels pretty realistic. So I would imagine that it takes time to grow food as well. You know, you don't just plot plop it down water at once, and then the next morning it's grown. I would imagine it probably takes days or perhaps even weeks for certain crops to grow. Which pros and cons, but I think that this game is is going for that. And if you're aware of that going in, it's fine. But yeah, it's like uh, well, I decided to go look and definitely skill oriented. Yeah, it's oh, um, wow. <laughs> what uh, do you even want to know? Y- yes, uh, some of these are weeks. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I actually, album was at least two weeks. Okay, yeah, I mean that that does make sense. So. I it's uh, I think it's twenty bucks right now. If this is the sort of game that you like and you've never heard of it, it's worth twenty bucks, easy. Um, if you're not sure about it, I would say it's probably worth half that. And if you don't like this kind of game, you're really not gonna like this game. Um, but I mean, if you know, if you've been listening to me talk about this and you're like, oh wow, that sounds neat, it's worth twenty bucks. I promise. Um, it can be played fully solo. This is a game that I do think would be excellent in multiplayer because of the realistic nature of it. It's extremely taxing as a single player to be like, all right, what do I need? How do I have to, what What do I got to do? So you're constantly leaving, going and scavenging for resources. Like the first four or five days for the way that, that I have been playing, it's just like fortify my initial house as much as possible with my skills and starting equipment unless it doesn't have a second story in which case i leave immediately and go find a house that has two stories and fortify that house and then scavenge the local neighborhood for all the canned food and supplies that i can find and that's really stressful and would be great to have even just one person as a partner to either watch your back or to hang back at the house and you know divide the labor I think this is a game that would benefit immensely from multiplayer if you're playing with a group of, of friends cooperatively. I think this would be terrible if you're playing on sort of random open servers because it's bad enough trying to survive the zombies and avoid your own fuck-ups, but griefers would ruin this game. But with friends, it, I think that it would be an amazing gameplay experience. Even solo, it's fantastic. It's just a lot. It can be stressful as opposed to relaxing. So I think that's all I've got to say about it. I'm, you know, I've played it for half a dozen or so hours at this point. I think I'll come back to it, you know, in a few weeks after I've played it for probably, I don't know, two, maybe three dozen hours. 
and give you updated thoughts on it. Because surely by then, I will have survived longer than five days and can talk about some of these mechanics more in depth. But good game. Two thumbs up. Full recommend if you like this sort of thing. So, time to do the news? Uh, I think so. All right. Our first news topic of the night. Raven Software QA Group becomes the first U.S. major video game union. Yeah, it's such a shame to hear about them shutting down in a few weeks. Yep. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, joking aside, th- this is actually really good news to hear, huh? Yes. I, we, both of us, have been banging the drum for unionization in the gaming industry for years. It's, you know, it sucks that... I mean, I, I think that this is how this always goes down, because capitalism, um, conservatism in the United States, the way that it, it functions, workers have to be pushed to the point where that it's quite literally life or death, um, or at very least life and, and bodily safety and security, you know, to just briefly touch on the Activision Blizzard stuff, you know, with all of the sexual harassment and rape. And the fact that all of that pushed one woman to commit suicide that we know of. You know, it sucks that this is where it has to be in order for for these types of changes to be made. But also, I think that that's just life. Life sucks. Bring on the zombie apocalypse. At least I'll get three days of glory before I die of dysentery or being too fat to run away. Uh, Let's be honest. uh, Your body's just going to fall apart. You'll, you'll be the zombie that, you know, is, like, hopping on one leg. A link dragging myself along the ground. Instead of brains, though, it'll be insulin. Insulin. <laughs> Wait, that's not now? Well, I mean, I do have two. As long as my back's not hurting, I can walk on my two legs. But, yes, anyways. Uh, getting getting a, the QA testers, getting a video, or getting a union. Although, of course, yeah, uh, Activision Blizzard responds to vote saying that the decision affecting the entire studio should not be made by 19 uh, employees. Yeah, my response to that is the decision made affecting the entire company shouldn't be made by one dickhead, Bobby Kotick. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me. Who also has a golden parachute and yeah, really doesn't care, right? Yeah, really doesn't care except for the fact that it is going to mean that less money goes into his pocket. Even though he doesn't need any more money, nor do his children, nor do their children, and probably not their children either. But let's not give some poor people a little more money. Okay, let's not. I'll Republican of you. Can everyone tell my feelings? I think they can. I wear them on my sleeve. But yeah, overall, I think that this is a good thing. I hope that whatever retribution comes, and it will come, despite the fact that it's illegal, these companies don't care, that whatever retribution comes is not enough to shut this down, that they continue to persevere. And that more studios and more teams unionize as a result of seeing this happen. I mean, one would hope at least, but there's also the fear of retribution. Yeah. Never mind the fact that it's completely legal for them to bully uh, yeah, prospective uh, employees to uh, vote against their own interests. Otherwise, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, th- th- there's so much just screwed up about labor laws in the U.S. Yes. C- can't even really even get into it, huh? 
No, it's a, it would be its own podcast series to talk about how screwed up the labor laws are. <laughs> and then Jim uh, Stephanie Sterling shows up. Right. You know what? Absolutely. Let's do that. That series. If they show up, let's do it. I'm in. Um, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. That seems like I, other, pretty... than, uh, other than Bravo. And I do hope that you know, we don't hear about Raven Software shutting down because, right? Yeah. Because, oh, how about that? Suddenly, uh, you know, they're underperforming. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm being very pessimistic, but no, no, I'm being realistic. Yeah, you're being realistic in this situation. Just the reality is is that mm-hmm. negative. So speaking of negative reality? Yeah. Um, uh, New York Attorney General uh, investigating Twitch in Discord's role in the Buffalo shooting, because now we have to highlight which mass shooting uh, city, shitty situation we're talking about, because, right? Yes. So this happened on the, on May 14th, which was, uh, what, 10 days ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 days ago. Um, and the short, but no less sad version is that a man, um, went on a, killing spree um shooting 10 people in a supermarket in buffalo new york and they're driving 200 miles to find a black neighborhood yes and he live streamed it on twitch or started live streaming it on twitch twitch reportedly shut it down within two minutes which oh, it's, i, I mean, will say on that one credit where credit's due like that seems like a pretty quick response time. I mean, that's uh, faster than the, I think it was the Christchurch one that was also live streamed. Yeah. Uh, that mass shooting on Twitch that lasted a lot longer and they got a lot of flack for. Uh, yeah, uh, it going on for that long. They, they you know, responded very quickly to this one, which, all right. Yeah. Al- although I do agree that the, uh, well, uh, I do agree that there needs to be an investigation. I'm not sure just what Discord could do because, yeah, uh, I've seen some screenshots of this man or this checklist, and it was uh, was purposefully ambiguous unless you're looking at it in hindsight, you know? Yeah. Using essentially, oh, I, I hate using the term gamer language, but yeah, here we are, right? Yeah, but I I mean, yes, Twitch should be included in the investigation and, and there should be. There should, should be, be an done. investigation. Yes, there should be. Yeah. I don't know they, what Twitch can do for this situation, though. I think that there needs to be some pretty serious um, investigation in terms of like, what can Twitch do to prevent these types of events happening on their platform in the future? Because it will continue to happen. Um, I mean, uh, short of putting humans in front of every screen, which is not going to happen with Twitch because there's far too much content. Yeah, I don't know I, what you could do to completely co- prevent it. Twitch does need cool. a lot more humans working on, you know, having eyes on people's videos or people's streams. But yeah, that does seem impossible. Like to have that many eyes on that many streams at all times. I mean, if we're looking at like just the just chatting it's just stupid amounts of uh streams on here and that's 
even before you uh, get down to the below a hundred. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, and I'm not saying like that there has to be something done in a specific way. Like I'm not sure what the solution is, you know, I mean the, the impossible solution is an eyeball for every stream. And every time a stream goes online, it gets, you know, a set of eyeballs on it, but that's unrealistic. Even that just is against, you know, sort of the laws of physics. Like we can't, we can't react that quickly, which makes me think that it's going to come down to some type of uh, possibly or probably increased stream delay, mm-hmm. as well as updating and developing you know new algorithms to find this type of content and shut it down or at least flag it for immediate review. But I don't I don't know what that looks like on the technology end. I don't know how feasible that is. That so also I don't comes wanna... down to. Uh, these asshats, uh, you know, tagging their uh, something with something that you know would trigger it because there's you know streamers out there that play like Pokemon Go that you know have a camera on their head walking around talking, and if they look for you know, well, this person's out in public uh, doing something, well, that might be a Go streamer, right? Yeah, or or it might be. Uh, Someone uh, in, well, uh, I hate to pick on the just chatting, but here we are again, uh, doing something out and about because, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a very broad subject. I mean, it's, it's a very, very tough problem to try to solve because there's, you know, no real good solution. There's always, you know, some caveat or some uh, thing to pick up. Like I'm just scrolling through uh, the list of streams, and here's one that has somebody driving. Well, yeah, you can see a windshield wiper and the cameras on the uh, dashboard. There's another one where they're on the waterfront. Yeah, one. And, oh, sorry. Uh, and I was going to say, and yeah, uh, would that trigger this? Because right. Yeah, one other problem, and this is a much deeper problem with a much more yep don't know what happened there back right away craig but anyways um but yeah well well i was just kind of scrolling through and there's here's somebody that's uh yeah working on uh their guns uh sitting and talking uh would that trigger something right yeah i don't know maybe it should i don't I'm not going to pretend to have an answer for this, but a solution mm-hmm. has to be found for for this problem. And you are right that Twitch does have a severe, you know, uh, issue uh, with this because you know, uh, didn't they have to come out and talk about uh, uh, you know their uh, problems with uh, uh, racist uh, uh, racist. Uh, uh, hate mobs uh you know just a few months ago yes and anti-trans well anti-lgbtq uh sort of dog piles that they had and probably still have it's just old news and i'm not on twitch enough because i don't i don't stream i don't watch streams hardly at all but i wouldn't be surprised if it still happens and just nobody's talking about it right now Mm mm-hmm I mean, I don't really go on Twitch that much anymore. Uh, a lot of the streamers I watched it kind of just you know faded away. Yeah. So, so the the internet 
and pretty much any site that allows social connectivity has in recent years become full of far right extremists and you know sort of nazi sympathizers and very hateful rhetoric and it's i don't have a good solution for it or even a suggestion for a good solution but it, this isn't just a twitch problem this is well, many many places a problem well coming back around to on subject matter uh part of the motivation for uh, this chuckle nut uh, in uh, buffalo was he was radicalized by memes and no i'm not joking on 4chan and yep. he, and like i said he had to drive for hours to get to this place to shoot it up and never mind the fact that okay he, he was worried about uh, an invasion and the replacement theory and he went oh, to the, essentially he went to essentially the canadian border don't let don't get me started on that rabbit hole that fucking race replacement bullshit. I mean, okay, I will say this one, okay? How fucking stupid did they have to be to think that the powers that be, that the government would actually help minorities? I mean, that's a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> right. You, you and I have watched the news over the last five, six, eight years, mm-hmm. even pre- uh, Trump's election in 2016, like this shit was was there bubbling on the surface. Like that's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah. Oh, I for one welcome our new robot overlords. Yeah, Craig can't be much worse, right? Maybe they will treat all humans with the same disdain. That way, at least we're all equally miserable. <laughs> what? I'm so, uh, okay, so I'm still poking around on Twitch. And I went to the pools, hot tubs, and beaches section, because of course there's one. Of course. And, and I scrolled down. First of all, there's an, uh, a, a, just a fat ape that's you know, just sitting there, and that's the stream. But further down, there's a, par, uh, a jar of peanut butter in a uh, pool, and that's the stream. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could get behind that. Why not? Uh, there's Le Fishy, which is a fish in a, uh, bathtub. Lovely. Probably, uh, more entertaining than, uh, you know, than half of these, uh, other streams, right? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, there was one other, uh, article that I didn't add to the list, but was talking about the, uh, uh the gambling section, which, the fact that somebody will, uh, sit and watch... Somebody playing a slot machine is just blows my mind. Yeah. But the fact that, yo, know, it's an open thing on a site that caters to kids, right? Yeah. I, I had a problem with it in GTA. Yo, know, uh, especially whenever you can buy into the game with real life currency, right? Yeah. It's just, whew. And of course, all these people are, you know, uh, selling with, uh, Referral links, so it's just that, that's just an utter mess. So we kind of covered uh, the uh, res- the next one, which uh, Twitch details the response. I'm not sure there's really anything else here that they could that 
we didn't already cover though. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, they they uh, are did say that they are being open with the FBI, Homeland Security, and the New York Public uh, uh, New York Police Department Cyber Intelligence Unit, which that's a thing, right? Uh, it sounds like it should be on uh, CSI, right? Yeah, the Cyber Intelligence Unit. Um, dunk, dun, dun. Wait, and now I'm on Twitch looking at streams. Lord of the Rings extended one through three. <laughs> They're in the battle for Minas Tirith. The, the stream has been running for twelve hours. There's like, I don't know, six hours left in this movie. So I will say that uh, games done quick can be very interesting when it's live. But oh, the, the chat is just a horror show. Yeah. All oh, right. In uh, the categories, does kind of give you an idea of what's popular or what's not, huh? Yeah. Because you, know, you have to scroll down pretty far to get to like Call of Duty Black Ops, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, there, there's Jim's favorite game, Farming Simulator. <laughs> Yay, Farming Simulator. Okie dokie. Moving on to a news topic, which is better. Um. God of War Ragnarok to feature 60-plus accessibility options. Yeah, so... Um, damn, right? Yeah. Accessibility has come a long way, broadly speaking, but especially in the video game industry in the last four or five years, there have been certain features that have been present for a long time, the stuff that you think of as standard, like subtitles and colorblind modes have gotten very common, and descriptive audio has gotten really common. But the last couple of years, Sony, in terms of software-based accessibility options, has been leading the way since at least um, Last of Us 2, I think, was when they really debuted a lot of their sort of now standardized features for at least their first-party titles, which God of War Ragnarok has and some... um, and it's it's just good to see. There's a podcast I listen to, although she also posts their prime their videos first on her YouTube channel for uh, from Laura K. Buzz. Um, but the podcast to look up just the podcast is called Access Hyphen Ability, um, where that she talks about accessibility options at video games and reviews specific games. Um, I'm you know I didn't realize that. Ragnarok was going to have so much. So I'm looking forward to the episode that will probably come out this week or maybe next week where she'll run through this whole list and talk yeah, about they, them. Yeah, they don't go into the entire list, but there is a blog post that highlights some of the well, more interesting ones like having it where you could set the different colors for highlights on characters. Yes. Which that sort of thing helps with people who have visual um, acuity issues could be colorblindness or could be some other type of visual impairment that makes it to where you can't clearly distinguish shapes or colors um, using very vibrant colors for your main characters. You know, that might look terrible to, you know, someone who doesn't have any uh, sight based disabilities, but if you have really, really bad vision or really severe colorblindness or something like that, that could be beneficial and actually allow you to play a game that otherwise you wouldn't be able to because you couldn't distinguish what's going on on the screen well enough to be able to engage with it. 
Yeah, and uh, this uh, a blog post that uh, highlights the... It's not... Well, as the hockey puck goes off there for a moment. Uh, it's not just, yeah, the character is, uh, you know, like, highlighted. It's like a overlay on the character, and it looks like... Uh, you know the, uh, the Funko Pops, whatever... They put in the rare ones uh, that, you know, is the, the shitty all-color one. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, like, you you get the grab bag, and it's a chance for a golden one, and it's just that character model, but it's just painted gold with no highlights or anything. It's that, but with highly contrasting colors. Uh, there's options to change all the different icons to be a lot larger, which would actually help with me on, uh, you know, because I have a smaller TV, so sometimes it can be useful, right? Yeah. Uh, different options for how subtitles are handled, so that uh, different characters get different colors. It could uh, have uh, more descriptive on the environment for people that are completely deaf, or yeah, more deaf, I should say. Uh, I mean, it's just it's fascinating just how far down the rabbit hole they've gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for this. I am too. I think more accessibility options is more better. Um, one of those things like more difficulty options, I think is better. Like giving people choices and the opportunity to engage on something they couldn't otherwise engage in, I, I think is never a bad thing. And accessibility, a point that has been made to me recently that I had never considered, like it's, you know, as soon as it's said, it's like, well, yeah, of course, but I don't think most of us think of disabilities or accessibility issues as this way. It, it It's a moving target for people as just generally speaking, as we age, we lose some of our senses, um, vision and hearing both tend to get worse over time, as does dexterity with age. So even for the general population, that's a moving target where one year or one decade or whatever, you know, you might not need any of these options, whereas the next you would and so on more acute and severe disabilities can happen in ways that we don't realize. I think COVID has been a big eye opener for the general medical community and the general population, the ones at least that aren't dipshits <laughs> that anything can cause disabilities and, and they can both come and go. I know people who have gotten or who have had COVID um, who have had Issues come and go as what they think is part of long COVID related to things like sensations, maybe sensory issues, you know, nerve-based problems, problems that with their hearing, perhaps they already had an existing condition and COVID has worsened or or changed it um, for, you know, both visual and hearing-based acuities. Like, accessibility is a moving target. And even within the time span of a few weeks or a few months, specific conditions or, um, you know, be they illnesses or, you know, quote unquote, the right circumstances can cause someone to experience a disability, even if it's only temporary. So all of that to say more accessibility fe features that are more accessible to more people more of the time is going to be, you know, can you know is never not going to be helpful and i think that this is great and i have no complaints uh, on this front you know i suppose if some of them happen to be implemented badly you know that could be a negative but 
list as given and with Sony's track record over the last couple of years of impl- implementing them and generally well received and uh you know fully baked ways uh, uh unprob- largely unproblematic ways i think that they'll probably be fine with, with how they implement it and i'll say that uh the probably the big uh criticism that i could imagine somebody saying that well this is adding a uh, development time with the size of team that i imagine sony has on this game it, it probably didn't add any time to the development yeah probably not and uh, I, I think don't expect, I don't expect indie games to do this though you know uh, maybe a handful of options but not you know full on choices on different subtitles and having different colors and different speaker names and yeah right yeah um i think that these effects will be not these effects goodness these um accessibility options will sort of be released to indie devs um, I think that it will be sort of a gesture of, you know, goodwill or good publicity from major studios when they do it. But I think that over time, these big features will become more accessible to small studios to be able to implement. I think you'll see, like, for example, in Unreal, the Unreal Engine, you'll just sort of see some of these options become native to the engine and other, you know, game development engines that indie studios tend to use a lot. I'm just I think also that'll trying to be time. realistic on the number of accessibility options I'm expecting from a game, you know? Having yeah. an, having an option to, for subtitles in a story-heavy game, uh, that's something that I kind of expect at this point. Yeah. But not having, you know, you know half a dozen different uh, uh, options for just speaker colors, right? Yeah. Or having you know uh, description, just other descriptive things, or having the the character highlights. One thing uh, that's kind of uh, not related, but in a way it is. I wonder just how wild uh, Games Done Quick is going to go with uh, games when there's more accessibility options, because they already do punch out blindfolded. Because right, yeah, and they've done like Mario sixty four blindfolded, so. It, it could be interesting uh, as a showpiece to show, you know, just anybody can game, right? Yeah, absolutely. And as a, you know, going back a minute, a response to the dev time issue, like, I think these there's dev time that goes into the initial development, but a lot of these tools are just implementations and perhaps refinements from other games. And like, yes, I know that, that games that, that have different engines would have different, different implementations of the tools, but... I don't think it's in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it's that much dev time. And also like, fuck off. If that's, if that's your argument, like, Oh, it takes up dev time and the game won't come out as fast. Like it's, it's okay. You'll live. If you have to wait a little bit longer for your game to come out to ensure that more people can play it. I was just already, you know, trying to address the elephant in the room, you know? Yeah. Because you, we both know where it was going, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah. You ready to move on to our next topic? Last uh, news so. topic of the night. Former employee sues GameStop for reportedly violating New York labor laws. Uh, how about that GameStop doing something shitty, right? How about that GameStop doing something shitty? They they would never. They've never done anything shitty before. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, No. Let's see. I'm looking for the... 
So it's uh, coming down to how GameStop uh, classified their employees. Uh, according to the lawsuit, GameStop employees qualifies as manual laborers and as such should be paid every week according to the New York labor law. Because the retailer pays its employees every other week, the lawsuit says that's following the said legislation. Which, I know, is kind of splitting hairs, but, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, number one, fuck GameStop and other major corporations who don't pay their employees both enough and regularly enough. Um, GameStop, I don't, I don't know how close to minimum wage GameStop employees make. I suspect it's pretty close unless you happen to be a store sort of general manager or something. But statistically speaking, people who are minimum wage or near minimum wage earners live already live paycheck to paycheck. And the longer those paychecks are spaced out, the harder it makes it for people to live. So fuck companies that, that pay people as, you know, rarely as they can get away with. Um, Secondly, whether or not it's splitting hairs to say that a GameStop employee is a quote-unquote manual laborer or not, I don't think should matter. I mean, I know it will. I know it does because that's, you know, how laws work. You get very specific and granular in cases like this. But I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do spend, you know, at least 25% of their time doing physical labor because the definition of physical labor in terms of like legally speaking, like we've seen this before with, oh, I can't remember what state it was that a bunch of truckers sued because the um, definition of some some specific definition of labor meant that they couldn't be classified as contract workers, therefore they qualified as benefits, and they wound up winning or qualified for benefits, and they wound up winning that case because of the way that the legal definition of contract labor worked or something like that. So it's it's going to matter, but I really wouldn't be surprised if they didn't spend at least 25% of their time doing manual labor, like uh, unboxing things, putting, like, I, I worked in retail. I didn't work at a GameStop, but I've worked in retail, and I spent so much time rearranging shelves, tear this down, build that back up, go clean that thing, lift these heavy objects and move them around. Like, was it the most strenuous manual labor job I've ever done? No, but it still qualifies. So I think that this guy has got a leg to stand on. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I did go hunting for some salary information. So I went with my state since I know what the hourly wage is. And according to this, uh, retail assistant manager gets just above minimum wage. Store manager gets... Fifteen sixty six an hour, on average, according to Indeed.com. Okay, so for your state, what's your minimum wage? Is is your minimum eight, wage uh, the federal? Oh, so your minimum wage is higher than the federal minimum wage. Federal, not, by, not, right. not by much, but yeah. So they're making not quite double minimum wage, but close. Yeah, uh, retail assistant manager, non-68 an hour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, there's not a lot of reports for my state, so... Looks like New York's minimum wage is $15 an hour. Okay, this ought to be fun. Let's scroll all the way back up to New York, then. Because I didn't want to go digging more, and I passed it. Because, of course, I did. 
Okay, New York State. Uh, store manager, 1984 an hour. That's not much more compared to my state, huh? No. Uh, assistant store manager, 13.35 an hour. They don't have as you know sales rep, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, basically the store manager gets a bit more, and that's about it, really. Right? Yeah. I could imagine living in New York making nineteen dollars an hour because the cost of living is so much higher in New York. Well, well, that's New York State as well. Yeah, that's true. It's hard enough to live in my state making you know nineteen dollars an hour. So my, I mean, my state's minimum wage is the federal minimum wage, so seven twenty-five an hour. Tennessee has got, comparatively to lots of places in the country, a really low cost of living between low utilities because we have abundant access to um, uh, hydroelectric power and gas. The you know the price of gasoline tends to be lower here for reasons I don't understand. Oh, don't but, worry, I'm sure there's still plenty of buying stickers. Oh, yes, there are. Um. But uh, it's still very difficult. If you're a single person and you live in a very small, inexpensive apartment or rental of some kind, you could probably make it on $19 an hour working full time. As long as you're not in debt and you don't get sick and um, you're willing to save for potentially years to get anything expensive that you would like to have. And your car doesn't break down. Tennessee sucks. Anyways, fuck GameStop. I hope this guy wins. I don't know what winning is going to do other than potentially increase the frequency in which they're paid, which is not bad. That is a good thing, but... I see, that's the thing. is uh, Possibly uh, get GameStop in trouble? Yeah, possibly. I mean, if the whole reason is to just try to prove a point, by all means, good sir, you prove that point. I'm here for it. And that's the problem is that a lot of this is information, legal documents, which uh, makes me go cross-eyed. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, uh, yeah, you just got to prove a point, right? Sometimes. What is it? Sometimes men, or no, from, sometimes a man just wants to watch the world burn or something like that. The, the Joker quote. Burn yeah, it all but, down, yeah, son. Yeah, but there's an ointment for that. True. Very true. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, just put some uh, lotion on your crotch. You'll be fine. Put lotion on my crotch every day. Ew. <laughs> I was waiting. I'm like, are you going to say ew? Are you going to say send help? Like, what's, what are you doing? Um, uh, uh, trying to scrub that out of my mind's eye. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, I can't visualize things, so there is that. Yeah. Aphantasia. Sometimes very beneficial. But, uh, yes. So, that does it for our news topics. Um, it is after midnight. I don't know if I'll make it through a Discovery queue. Yeah, I think going to just call it there. I don't think we had any... Uh, uh, yeah, we didn't have anything on the Discord that I saw, so... Yeah. So, yeah. If you wish to send us something... You can do so over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, there's links to all our stuff there that you could uh, drop by the Discord. You could email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. You could tweet us, vglpodcast. You got plenty of options. Use them. Indeed. Um, 
<laughs> What's the thing I'm supposed to say? Oh, hey, Rage, hit him with the socials. Well, I've been caffeine rage. You can find me uh, occasionally tweeting, lead, uh, tweeting being disgusted with life over at Gaming with CR, or if it was to be my friend over on Steam, you could do so. Uh, caffeine rage there. And you've been? I've been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Um, you can chat with me on Discord if you want. Join our Discord. You can, I don't know, send me a smoke signal or something. Or you can watch me when I do appear on the Twitch streams of Runic Arts, where I play tabletop games sometimes. We've been a bit irregular. Everybody's life is hectic. That That's the way it be. But, uh... Whenever I do play, I'm either a very terrible vampire man who eats people for fun, or I'm running a game about big, stompy robots. <laughs> oh, why can't you be a big, stompy robot that eats people for fun? I mean, go on. I, I like where this is headed. <laughs> uh, feed people to the Golden Throne? Yes. <laughs> I know, wrong universe, but let's be honest. Uh, at, at this point of where we are now, uh, Warhammer 40k seems very preferable, right? Yep. yep. Just just kill me. Problem yep. solved. Just a quick swipe with a chainsword saw, right? Yep. Just make it quick. Speaking of making things quick, uh, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, once again, you can reach us via podcast at gmail.com with your little with, with your letters, voicemails. Game-related topics, tweet them to us, Visual Podcast, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that, over at visualpodcast.podbean.com, which has been lovely, lovely, uh, uh, our lovely, lovely patrons have uh, kept that going, uh, which you can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incompetech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye.